Howdy. Well, I'm glad to be able to see our uh, scout friends that are uh, joining us. Uh, one of the things that I always uh, found interesting as a kid, I uh, did uh, Cub Scouts, but I never got a chance to go into Boy Scouts. Okay? So I was doing all this fun stuff from like Tiger Cubs up until like Weeblos and everything. Um, but before I got to be a Boy Scout and they make you go off and uh, poop in the woods, I was uh, no longer in the Scouts. Um, apparently that's just a rule is that you're supposed to do that but um, one of the things with it is that I was getting all the little pins and all the awards and everything that I could as a Cub Scout and then we were supposed to find a, a, a troop it was uh, not here because you know this troop is amazing and awesome but a different troop my mom was just concerned because while she knew that I could get all these awards and badges she wasn't positive that she trusted the scout leaders. And so never got to go into Boy Scouts because she wasn't concerned whether I'd get enough badges. She was concerned about whether I was becoming the person that she wanted me to be. And that distinction between whether or not we have followed the rules that we're supposed to have in life versus who God has called us to be is a big distinction that we want to make in today's sermon. Um, whenever I was, uh, I think, high school age, uh, my mom came up with an idea. She thought it was brilliant. Was that if she were to assign a money value to the chores that were around the house, then she'd be more likely to get my sister and I to do more chores around the house. Now, my sister, She's very, like, very stubborn, very uh, strong-minded young lady. And for her, it was, you know what, if I'm going to do the chores, I'm going to do them. If I'm not, then I'm not. I don't really care whatever I am or am not being offered. And she may remember to say, yes, I did this or may not. Didn't change anything. Me, on the other hand, oh, money, money, money. I was that totally, I got this, all right? So I'm just like, oh, you know what? I think there's three loads of laundry that need to be done. All right, what? Don't worry, I got this. I got the laundry. Wait a minute, oh no, somebody washed it. They forgot to dry it. I heard that buzzer go off five seconds ago. Let me get over there and go dry that laundry for you. Happy to do that, absolutely. The thing that got me though, dishes, okay? Whenever we said dishwasher, in our, uh, in our household, we didn't have a machine for it. So dishwasher was just whoever got stuck doing the dishes that day. Dish machine did not exist. But for me, I had a lot of OCD. So it was like, I hated dishes because I'm always like, did I get them clean enough? I don't know. So it was like, okay, but did, maybe if I gather all the dishes and put them in the sink, it, does that count as half? on the dishes, maybe I get like partial credit. And after a while, my mom finally had to realize, you know, maybe I, I just kind of say generally, did you do some laundry this week instead of whether or not her son had managed to check off every single time he had done it. Uh, man, hey, I had to pay for those video games somehow, okay? All right. But with that is to realize that I was spending so long focused on whether or not I had done enough or gotten enough done that I could somehow show it to my mom and be able to say, see, I got these chores done. I'm a good son. I got you, mom. Thanks for the allowance. The thing with this is this distinction between are we following the law 
because we want to do what is right, or are we following the law because somehow it makes us feel justified about ourselves and allows us to avoid what's really under the surface? Because at the end of the day, yeah, I could probably have gotten allowance by all these other chores. Probably what my mom would have appreciated is if I would have just gone and done those dishes every once in a while. But I want to utilize this idea as we look at our story of Abraham and Isaac. You see, when we're looking at Abraham and Isaac, we realize that Isaac was the promised child of God. But Abraham had done so many dumb things leading up to Isaac. You see, God had promised that Abraham was going to have a son, and through him there were going to be all these generations. But you see, they were getting older. So Abraham and Sarah decided, you know what, what if I actually have a child through your servant, and then we'll just kind of call that ours because that was your servant. And God's like, that, that's not at all what I had in mind. Or even times whenever Abraham was worried, like, you know... I'm worried about people finding out that Sarah is my wife because she's very attractive and I'll just lie and tell everybody that this is my sister and then nobody's going to kill me to try and get to her. And it was like, no, that's also not what I'm wanting of you either. And finally, to realize that God had blessed them when Abraham's 100 and Sarah is 90 with a son. And at that point is to realize that instead of just trying to find all the loopholes to try to figure out how to make all this work, is instead Abraham realized, I just need to listen and follow after God. But what does God actually ask? Sacrifice your son. That is a huge ask. That is a very big deal. Now, People have all these different theories about what they think Abraham had on his mind at the time. Maybe he felt like God would give him another son after that. Or maybe he would just bring Isaac back to life. We actually don't know. It doesn't tell us in Scripture. All we know is that he took him for that sacrifice. Now, um, by the way, whenever I was a kid, I had a children's Bible. And in the children's Bible, it had a little picture of Isaac as being kind of like a little kid. And then, you know, Abraham puts all the wood on him and sends him up. Uh, Chances are, if he was lifting all the wood up to that mountain, he probably wasn't a little child at the time. And the reason why that matters even more is because if his really old father is binding him, then he's probably doing it willingly. See, that's the thing with this, is that this was not how it was supposed to go. Sacrifice of human beings in the area with the local gods was typically acceptable, but it was never supposed to be that with Yahweh. But that's the thing with Yahweh, is that God ended up saying no. I need you to see something different about me. Oftentimes when we're seeing what God's expectations are, we oftentimes look at Scripture trying to figure out specifics. And if we can say that we've gotten it all figured out, then we know that we are doing it right. We're really good Christians 
and we can get on with the rest of our life. But the thing about looking to Scripture just to figure out what the rules are completely defeats the purpose of Scripture. See, the thing is, is that Scripture is not meant to reveal to us the laws we're supposed to check off in life. Scripture is meant to reveal who God is. And that's the thing about what we see is that even when we're looking at the Ten Commandments, oftentimes we can look at the Ten Commandments and say, oh, well, technically I haven't broken any of these things. See, I'm good to go. I didn't kill anybody. Hey, that's 10% down already. Oh, man, I'm doing great. And it's just, it's just 1130. So there you go. But yet, what we end up seeing is that these are just to help us to understand what God wants from us. Because it's not about, did you find a loophole to get around it? You see, receiving God's word, specifically receiving God's son, it's not about Jesus came along and being the word of God, now he gave you a whole bunch more rules to follow. That's not what it's about. That's not what Jesus is about, being the word of God. It's that God himself being embodied shows you who God is. I always found it difficult with our gospel passage. Whenever we're talking about things to do with washing of hands and everything. See, the last time we saw this particular passage was 2021, and we were still trying to figure out which way COVID was going to kill all of us. So at that point, was trying to think, okay, why were, was the hand-washing such a big deal? But the reason for that is that the Pharisees and the scribes, they were looking for something to focus on so that they could undercut the disciples and say, yeah, we don't really have anything to learn from any of you because you're clearly not clean enough. Now, this is not trying to say that you don't need good hand-washing hygiene or anything like that. So all, for all the little kids that are out there, please do not go to your parents and say, see, Jesus doesn't care if I wash my hands. Do not get your pastor into trouble. But rather, it was even examples like they would come in from the marketplace. It wasn't even about what they had done there, but the fact that they were in an environment that had Gentiles and that they were around all these unclean people was even another time, well, you better wash your hands for having been around those people. There were any number of reasons why they were focused on these things and creating more and more rules and laws to try to prove that they were especially holy. But what does Jesus end up responding with? And Jesus ended up being the first person to respond to someone making fun of them with the phrase, your mom. I have always tried to understand this point, but it's fascinating is that all this hand washing and what's the first thing he comes up with? Well, you know your mom and also your dad. And why is that? Because what was happening was this idea of Corbin. See, Corbin was more than just some sort of a you know, superhero villain, but rather is that it was this idea of something being given to God. 
You see, if you made an oath that there was something particular that was supposed to be given to the temple or the priests or to God, then that meant that it now belonged to God. You were not supposed to be able to change that. That was how the elders, the leaders, had designed the laws to be. But you see, you could use that to get away with a lot of things. It, to give a, a, a comparison, it would be sort of like if you knew that you're about to go through a divorce and you really don't want to have to share something with your ex. So what do you do before the legal proceedings? Oh, I'm so sorry. I gave that away to my aunt. I, I had no idea. So sorry, I don't own it anymore. So I guess we can't split it. Too bad. Oh, by the way, I'm going to go hang out at my aunt's this weekend and enjoy the thing I gave her. It was a very similar mentality. Is that you could take something and say, instead, I don't want to have to deal with taking care of my parents. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to dedicate things to God. Which, by the way, I could still actually give the temple money for it instead, and I can still keep it, but I'm sorry, I can't use that house or any of these other things for my parents because, well, they were dedicated to God, so too bad, sorry about that. People using the law to get out of caring for their own parents. And Jesus looks at them and is saying, what defilement is there? You see, we may feel defiled whenever we feel like we're going through this season of flus and COVID and RSV and who knows what else there may be. But as much as the viruses might come inside of us, they eventually pass on. Jesus was asking about what was actually happening inside their heart. And that's the thing about what's happening inside of their heart is that he could see who they really were people who didn't care about other people, but instead were spending their time just trying to feel better about themselves. But isn't that something we sometimes do as Christians as well? Aren't we oftentimes focused more on the teachings that we have rather than focused on whether or not we brought people to know God? Whether we focused on making sure that people have followed the things that Christians are expected to do rather than asking whether we brought people to know the God that we worship? Have we oftentimes been so focused on making sure that we baptized as many infants as possible, but we don't pause to ask how many of those young people have grown up to know and to profess faith in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? How many times have we gone into a season of Lent like now, and been so focused on what we've sacrificed. Oh, I've given up beer. Oh, sorry, y'all are Lutherans. You would never do that. Um, I've given up chocolate. Oh, you know what? I've uh, given up scary movies. Oh, I've given up so many good different things. But we don't pause to say, yeah, but when you realize that maybe you were fasting or doing something else, did you pause and ask, what is God trying to say to me? right now? Are we so focused on the sacrifice that we lost sight of, yeah, but have you been praying and asking what God is saying to you? Or the times whenever we say, I'm so willing to help people in the world around me. I'm so willing 
to get out of my comfort zone and go do something good in the world. Yeah, but not those people. And you see, that could be any number of contexts. There are any number of different ways where there are those people in some outside group that somehow, yeah, we really want to help people out, but they don't count. Because it's not about trying to say, I've covered all my bases on the law, but it's asking, what is it that God is saying that he wants of you right now? And even, even the flip side of that, this isn't about now trying to say, now let's ignore the law because the law doesn't matter. No, it's even more than that. It's to look at the law and say, no, I want to now follow God even more. So even if I don't see it written down, but I know that's what God would want, then that's what I'm going to do. Is that really where we find ourselves this Lenten season? Because at the end of the day, the law, the law has reasons behind it. But the law isn't God. The law has reasons behind it, but the law itself is not God. And that's the thing that we end up seeing this, is that fulfillment of the law is a reflection of God's presence in our lives. It's not the way that we achieve God's presence in our lives. When we are seeking out how do we follow after God, it's because God's Spirit is ours. It's because as we've read his word and we know him, God's spirit is inside of us saying, and now you are different. Now how do you want to live because of that? You see, that's the thing with this, is that hearing God's word is because his spirit is invading our hearts and changing us from within, not changing us from without. And when I put that down on the slide, I realized that it was actually coming out as a play on words. Because God's Spirit invading our hearts, it's not just about changing us from within and not just being on the outside, like the fruits of the Spirit. Are you actually changing on the outside? But rather is to say, how are we changing from within but not without the Spirit of God? Because we could be all those things, loving, joyful, peaceful, but only on the outside. But the question is, are they coming from the inside because of what God is doing from within? Are they the ways in which God has changed us? And that's my challenge to you this season. So maybe you've decided that you're going to read through scripture. Great, do it. If you miss a day, catch up. Or maybe you're trying to say, I really want to do something better for the world and serve it in some way. Good, go for it. But more than anything this season, take some time to pause and say, yeah, but am I actually hearing from God himself? And am I willing to spend the time saying, God, change me before I consider how to change in this world? Thanks be to God.